We are talking through the, the near and dear core values that really light a fire, have lit a fire from the life of Jesus through the Holy Spirit imparted to us that are like this stuff is the non-negotiable kind of eat, sleep, breathe, foundational aspects of following Jesus that bring life, that bring the abundant life that Jesus speaks of. And so this is week eight of eight, so we're not going to review everything. We're going to just finish off. Uh, one of our tools that is about investing in relationships. When Jesus was asked what is the most important investment in life, which is a, a little translation, a little paraphrase of when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, we went into the cultural background. Essentially, that's asking what's, what's on our minds that we should invest in. And very famously, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And the bottom line in that is Jesus highlighted investing in relationships. That's the greatest investment we make in life. What we choose to do with our time, effort, and energy is an investment. And Jesus said invest in relationships with God and others. That's where true riches comes. Rich relationships are true prosperity. And Jesus showed us an intentionality with where and how to invest. And so there is, to keep it very simple, one of the tools that we use in our discipleship groups and in our church culture that our mentor taught us is you can think of those relationships as up, in, and out. And the basic idea is that Jesus invested up in that intimate, vibrant, personal, powerful relationship with the Father, and he said some incredible things in the same way that he had this intimacy with the Father. He said, that's what you're made for, and I'm showing this, I'm modeling this for you. You are made for a personal relationship with God that is so close, so intimate. God is powerful, present, and real. And that is the joy of our life. We get to pursue knowing God. Eternal life is knowing God. That's the up relationship. And then that in relationship is we are made for life-giving relationships. You think of kind of that in, that inward community, that, that family, those people that have got your back and all the highs and lows. Those people that you can pray together and play together. You got high purpose and high play and everywhere in between that encompasses all those one another verses in God's word. That's investing inward. And today we're going to look at how Jesus models for us intentionally investing outward. And that's that out investment towards serving others and embodying in both word and deed the good news of God's kingdom to the lost hurting and broken world. And that the same mission that Jesus had and modeled this so incredibly well, he says, guess what? I'm sending you out on that mission as well. So let's look at this investment outward. Matthew 9, 35 is where we're going to start today. It says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. So there we go, we see that phrase, it's a very important one, the gospel, same word in Greek, good news and gospel. Jesus proclaimed the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is Jesus out on mission. 
Another very succinct summary of Jesus' mission is, is found in Luke 19.10, where he says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Such a powerful picture. This outward living that has compassion on the crowds. Now, I remind you, those crowds are full of unrepentant sinners. But how does the Father see them? As, Jesus, as it says in John 3.16, he, and 17, that the Father did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. It's no uh, surprise to God that people are sinners, right? And, and, and sometimes we're like, oh, man, all those people out there, they're just messed up, they're sinners. It's like, yeah, that's the whole point. Jesus came into the world. You are one, too. We are all the crowd who Jesus came to seek and save because we're lost, and he sees we're harassed and we're helpless. We can't do it on our own. We can't get our act together. We can't save ourselves. And so Jesus has this, this God the Father's impulse of compassion, not condemnation. As he sees the messed up crowds, it's compassion, not condemnation. His heart is to seek and save that which is lost, hurting, and broken. Even the young Jesus was about this. And I love that phrase in is it Luke 2, 19, where Jesus is gone. He's, his family doesn't know where he is, and, as he, and he shares the truth. Just like that, that little one just came up and shared that truth with me. He shared the truth with his parents, and he said, you know, I have to be about, I must be about my father's business. That's just such a cool phrase. And, and in all of that, what we see here is Jesus wants to say, it's for you too. He wants to put that same fire of God to seek and save that which is lost, to see crowds with compassion, not condemnation, to want to be about your father's, the father's business to reach out into the lost, hurting, and broken world and have that godly mission and purpose that fuels you with fire. I believe God wants to impart more of that holy fire on each and every one of us today. Because this is not a new idea, right? This is, this is the basics. This is like eating, sleeping, moving, exercising. This is like the basics of life. But it is an absolute key foundational tool that we can continue to come back to and say, Holy Spirit, if it's, if it's not new at all and you've been doing it for 20 years, there's always more. That's that childlike discipleship mindset. There's always more nuance. There's always more in which God wants to grow you and transform you so that you are ministering more and more like Jesus. And if you think you've already arrived, there's the door. <laughs> That's not our mindset here. It's always more. Say, God, I want to grow in reaching out. I want to grow to be more like you. I need more of your Holy Spirit's power. I need more of your wisdom, more of your compassion. And so I believe with a hungry heart, the Holy Spirit is wanting to grow some fire today. And if you're brand new, then this is good news. That Jesus says that you are being welcomed into, enlisted in, empowered in, equipped for his army. And no matter what you've been through, no matter your past, you are not disqualified from being part of his army. It's the righteousness of Christ that qualifies you, and it's the Holy Spirit that empowers you. Look what Jesus says. As he talks about this mission that he has, he's always then looking to turn it and say, and you're part of it too. So in that Luke 9.35 passage, where it says he looked out on the crowds and he, was, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless and he went preaching and teaching and healing and proclaiming the good news. He immediately, verse 37, says to his disciples, now the harvest is plentiful, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And then he sent them out. So it's just this incredible picture of Jesus talking about his mission of proclaiming and embodying the good news of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God, which is that God wants to transform every single broken place on this earth with the goodness of heaven. And so there is always more gospel for people to encounter and experience. And as soon as Jesus says that, he says, and by the way, the problem is not that God's not on the move. The problem is that the laborers are few. So I choose you. Come be laborers with me in God's harvest field, and I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you the authority to make it happen. And then Jesus says it very succinctly in John 20, 21. As the Father sent me, so I send you. I mean, that is worth meditating on right there. That, that, that should blow our minds. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is saying, now I'm sending you out on mission. We are a sent people. It's the word apostolos in the Greek. It's a sent one, an apostle. We are all apostolized by Jesus. We're all sent ones. We are a sent people, sent out on God's mission. That is part of our DNA as followers of Jesus. And if you're like, oh, that's too big for me, that's too good for me, well, no, it's not. Because guess what? Before that, Jesus says something that's even more mind-blowing. That was John 20. How about in John 14, when he says, 14, 12, whoever believes in me. Now, that's the, that's the phrase in John 3, 16 that says you get saved by that. There's a little bit more to the party. Whoever believes in me will do the miracles I have been doing. That's part of the being sent out. And now, in your minds, you're like, well, I haven't done that yet. It's because you haven't arrived yet. <laughs> There's always more. And we don't look at what we haven't done and define that to be God's will. That means there's just a lot more of blessings and presence and power coming on your journey as you grow. That's our mindset around here. That we are that sent people, truly sent out to carry Jesus' mission. And then one final incredible commission that we are given that clarifies this outward mission that we're given. Very famously, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, that's the power source. Good thing he's with us. It would be ugly if he wasn't, right? Our strength is not nearly good enough. What I want to highlight, though, and it's been highlighted before, but this is absolutely foundational. That word go is a weird mistranslation. It's nice. It's pretty. But it's not a good translation. There is an imperative tense in the Greek that clearly is a command. Go! Imperative. And this is absolutely not that tense. This is a passive participle, which should be translated as you are going. 
Now, I get it. Maybe the translators are like, oh, it's Jesus at the end. And he's got to fire us up and like, give the commands. He's our, he's our leader, and that's all true. But there's plenty of places where there's like the commands to mission. But what I absolutely love about this one is this implies that it's just a way of life. As you are going, is the right translation, as you are going about life, make disciples. As you're going about your way, make disciples, meaning it's a lifestyle. It is part of your DNA. It's part of you carry God's mission. You're about your father's business. You're aware of it. You have been enlisted into God's army, and you're never not in his army. He gives you breaks in, in R&R, so that's, that's, we talked about that before. But there's an awareness that you are enlisted in God's army as one of the laborers out in his, out in his harvest, sent like Jesus was sent to share and embody the good news of the kingdom of God. And that never changes, it never stops, it never ends. So it's, it's a way of life. As we're going, we make disciples. And that's also meant to be a big encouragement to us that it is a very organic process. Being on mission, if you're able to do it as you're going about life, that means it's very organic. There are some who are sent, yeah, as Jesus says, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But this, this verse talks about, hey, well, wherever you are <laughs> in that place, in that process, make disciples. If you're in Jerusalem, make disciples. If you're in Samaria, make disciples. If you're in Judea, make disciples. If you get called to the end of the earth, make disciples. Your call is to make disciples wherever you are. It's to be about God's mission. So this speaks to just a very organic process of outward mission. And to us, it's, it's very important as well that we also highlight that this speaks that we each have a unique combination of, of gifts and passions and anointing of the Spirit that equips us to advance God's, God's kingdom in our own spheres of influence. I mean, if you just took a, a relational kind of data study here of the people that you know, there would be wild amounts of non-overlap, meaning you guys have circles of influence that the people right next to you don't even have, and three rows back certainly don't have, and five rows back really don't have. Now there's some overlap, but there's also neighborhoods, professional connections, work connections, old high school connections, if you think about the relationships that you have, God has put you as a light out on mission into spheres of influence that the people around you don't have. And you have that unique gift of your personality, your testimony, your gifts, your passions, where you can uniquely reach people that others can't. And that's why it's called a body of Christ, each doing its part. Ephesians 4 says, that's when we grow up into this unstoppable force that looks like Christ to the world, when each does its part. And so there is, a, there is a holy privilege that God wants to fill each of us with, a holy purpose where we can feel it, that God's got me out here in this particular sphere of influence. With my gifts and passions and personality, God put me here for such a time as this to be a light for him, and he wants all of us to feel that. He wants all of us to know that. Not look and be like, oh, I wish I had that sphere of influence, or I wish I had that relationship, or I wish I had that gift. I mean, we can all learn from each other and grow from each other, 
But the mission of God is accomplished when the laborers just say, send me out. Send me out, Lord, into your harvest. I think I need to take a breath. (laughs) Ready to rock? Awesome. 16 minutes without breathing. I could be a Navy SEAL. (laughs) Okay. So before we get into the specifics, I felt like what the Lord was highlighting right now is the tendency for us to disqualify ourselves because we're not where we want to be or because we haven't arrived yet in, say, going out, going on mission like we see Jesus doing or like we see other people doing. And I felt like God wanted me to remind us and encourage us that we are children on a journey. So it's not about, oh, hey, you know, one of my favorite books on prophetic evangelism, I highly recommend it. We did it as a church together, Sean Bowles, Translating God. One of the best books. If you haven't read it, I so recommend it. It's amazing. Um, It's easy when you read something like that to say, oh, well, I am definitely not there yet. I'm not doing that. Or, you know, people that I love, Todd White, you know, going out and healing people, and I'm not having that many healings. I have had some, but they're not all the time. Keep trying. Keep trying. We we are children. We're growing. Um, Jesus calls us to be disciples. Disciple means learner. It means learner. It, what was the other? Apprentice, learner. Yeah. And if you think about, uh, now there's not so much an apprenticeship in, in culture. But back then, in biblical days, with an apprentice, you come under their wing, and you know nothing, and you, you practice, and you practice, and you practice, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow. And so it is with us and Jesus. Jesus only did what the Father was doing. We're in a process of being in communion with him, abiding in him, listening and learning and practicing. Peter started to sink when he first stepped out on the water, but he never would have walked on the water if he didn't step out on the water. And it's okay to make mistakes. We grow as we learn. So so I feel like God wants to highlight a grace-filled process, a grace-filled process And that there is a lie that the enemy tries to put in our culture, in in Christian culture, so that he can inactivate us. Why? Because he's terrified of who God created us to be. He wants to inactivate us by telling us, oh, look at you, you're such a sinner. Don't go share the good news with them. You're not perfect. Yeah, no crap, devil. That's why he died for me. That's why he died for me, because I'm a sinner. I'm covered by blood and grace. And guess what? I'm sharing the good news gospel that I'm not perfect, that I still mess up all the time, that God is transforming me from one degree of glory to another, and that the the, what is needed to be a part of this relationship is not my perfection. It's his. It's his. And so I felt like For us to be really aware of the enemy wanting to inactivate us into nothing. And inactivity can feel normal. 
This is just how we do things. I'm just not going to step out. I'm not going to step out in what Jesus modeled and said that I would be doing too. Because inactivity has, can, can just feel like just a normal way of life. But he wants us to, in some ways, get a little uncomfortable. To step out of the box where we live in comfort. Because if we're not doing all the works that Jesus did, it's going to feel a little uncomfortable when we step out to follow how Jesus did what the Father was doing. We're going to be like, uh, I don't really know if I'm hearing the Holy Spirit right. Yeah, well, practice. Practice. Practice healing. Practice. Hey, can I pray for your headache? Can I pray for this? Take risks. Step out. Get on the water. If you sink, he's right there to pick you up. And honestly... When we go out on mission with God, the most important thing is that people just feel love. They feel the love of God. You are not going to mess up if you just start with love. You just start with love. No condemnation. I highly recommend Sean Bowles' book when we went over it together. It's, it, uh, what I loved is so much of what he was saying was, wow, you just saved me from having to write a bunch of messages on this. And it's even better. It's, it's amazing. It's all about love. It's not about condemnation. It's not about the prophets of old before the cross and before Jesus that, you know, preach judgment. He's the light of the world. This is a gospel of grace. He is the God of grace, and he beckons us to come to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy for help in time of need. So that's us. When we go out, God help me. I'm a little scared. I don't know what to do. But I'm going to step out on the water, and I'm going to trust that as I grab your hand, I'm going to learn to walk on the water. I'm going to learn to raise the dead. I'm going to learn to partner with you so that when I go out, I bring encounters with the living God. And it's about practice. And, you know, it's so funny because if we think about children and growth, I'm going to give my son Daniel as an example. He wants to make it to the NBA. That's his end goal. What if he looked at NBA players right now and said, wow, I am definitely not there. I'm out. He'd be inactivated, disqualifying himself. The enemy would win, you know, if that's God's plan for him to do that. I'm just, you know, use that, using that as our, for us to reflect upon the enemy wins if we pull out and don't risk because we haven't arrived. And I feel like God wants to encourage us that we're, we have the right to be children. We're on a journey with him. Oh, I made a mistake. That's okay. Guess what? You walked. You may have fallen. But when you practice, you get stronger. You grow. You learn his voice. So the only failing that happens is if you just don't try. And you just don't step out of the boat. So I also feel like it would be a blessing, and I, know, I feel that God is going to meet us there when we ask him for his holy fire of evangelism, his holy fire of going out and seeking and saving that which is lost with his love, with his heart, with his goodness. And then as that fire grows in us, we'll see, and we ask, ask for opportunities he opens doors when we knock. He loves when we pursue him. The Christian life isn't just about laying there while he just throws everything to us. If we do that, we're going to be laying on a bed, never getting out, 
and going out into the world. And so much, it's, it's strange because I feel like there's so many lies in Christian culture that's kind of like, well, I'm certainly not there yet. Well, that's because it's a journey to get there. And you have to practice, just like, like kids have to practice. They have to learn to walk. You know, if a kid gave up before they even learned to walk and said, oh, this crawling, I stink at it. I'm like, I can't even run like my dad, I'm out. We'd all be invalids sitting there doing nothing. It's, it's a process. It's a process. It is a grace-filled process. And it is a resurrection life-filled process. Because everywhere where we fall short and we need him, when we grab his hand and ask for help and continue to step out in risk, we have the promise that he will transform us into his image and empower us with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, that's such a wise perspective from that was spontaneous. And it was just, I could tell, it was like, this is life lived. And it's, there's a growing process of God is just looking for your next yes. It's one yes at a time. And you will grow. And, and that's, that's what Don elucidated there was this process of growing, this grace-filled journey. But it's just, God's just looking for that yes. And I want to real quick run through um, uh, some aspects of what you need to be equipped. And she already said it all just very organically, so I'll hit it quick. And then I want to close with just a couple stories of how the yes grows. And it's just about the next yes to the Lord out on mission, and then watch what he does over time. And so a lot of us asked that question, and Don was speaking to that, about what do you need to be equipped to do that out and she was really answering that question and just a couple of bullet points that, that say it in a slightly different way that I want to just encourage us with is, number one, all you need is some good news. Like, has God done anything in your life? You're equipped. Like, if God's done anything in your life that's real, you have something to share. You have good news to share. And so similar to what Don was saying, we don't need to feel the pressure that if we don't have the perfect and complete gospel presentation to do it just like Todd White or Billy Graham, you know, that's in shared entirely with every person you meet, then, then we shouldn't go out. It's like, well, well, Jesus didn't even meet that standard in the sense of you watch Jesus encountering people, does he tell them the whole and entire gospel every time? No. Yeah, he, he shows them some aspect of good news because he's listening. What's the Spirit doing in this person right now? How is God moving so the kingdom of God can break in right now? And he partners with that. And that's why if you look at Jesus, his encounters with people are different. They are not a cookie cutter of, well, I learned these three things to say, therefore I know the gospel. Now, I'm not in any way trying to you know, denigrate getting equipped with in, good information about who God is, absolutely. But I'm just saying all you need. All you need is some aspect of the good news that you have encountered personally, and God will take that. Any, any of the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, right now, man, the world is so hurting and heavy and lost and broken. If you have genuine fruit of the Spirit, if you have hope, you are a rich person, genuinely. If you have peace right now, Man, you are the richest of rich. If you have joy, you got something that money can't buy and people are longing for. 
And so it's like this is just stuff that God does in our lives as we seek him. And if you've got any of those things in any measure, you've got good news to share. And so it's just about that next yes of God, I'm open, I'm here, I want to be a laborer in your harvest. Put me in position to share in some fashion. And number two that she talked about is we just need a little bit of a mustard seed of faith that God's going to do something. The idea is we trust that God's going to do something. Our job is to show up. His job is to show off, meaning he's the one with the power, and he's always on the move, as Jesus said. What did Jesus say? The harvest is plentiful. Why is Jesus confident of that? Because the Spirit of God is at work. The Spirit of God cares more about saving the world than even you do. So you can trust that if you get up and go out on mission, the Spirit of God is going to move, going to do something. Now, it's not like instant revival every time, and there might be warfare and there might be rejection, but you can trust that God will work. God is on the move when you say yes. And the last thing is like a dependence on God that she talked about. It's, it's we should be nervous. That's healthy. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't feel dependence on God, you're probably not depending on God. I mean, yeah, or taking enough risk. So he's like, hey, a little more. That's why Jesus said in, in Luke 9, he called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority, and he sent them out. And what did he say? Take nothing for your journey. Take no staff, no bag, no bread, no money. Why? In that moment, he was trying to show them powerful mission is when you are dependent on the Spirit. That's why the Spirit is called the comforter, the paraclete. If you're not uncomfortable, you don't need the comforter. And so there's this element of dependence, or the Apostle Paul said it like this, I boast of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And so it, there is an element of it's good to take the risk and feel that you're uncomfortable and you're dependent and you need God to show up, and this is a little bit outside of your strength and power. That's all good. When you're dependent on God, he's, it's then his power that works through us. I want to also add, in America, there's been this mindset that going out and being on mission is, in case you did touch on this a little bit, it's kind of like a program. It's you have some kind of formula. It's this cookie-cutter thing. And, you know, like Casey was talking about, it's, that's not what it is at all. It's about abiding in Jesus. Jesus did what the Father was doing, so we're following Jesus' lead when we're out and about going out in life, in everyday life, it's not about just a church event where we go out and do a treasure hunt. Those are great and they're wonderful and it's wonderful to come together and to do that together. But this, this verse talks about uh, the one that Casey mentioned in the beginning. What, what was the digits on that as, as, I, um, as you are going? Um, yeah. yeah, Matthew 28, 19. I mean, the, the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples as you are going. That's as you are going, as you are going about life. And um, but the point I wanted to make is it's not forced. It's not cookie cutter. It's genuine. It's authentic. Jesus met everyone where they were at. He was listening to the whole, he was listening to God. He was listening to the Father. He didn't, you know, we have the Holy Spirit within us. 
We need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. What, what are you doing? What do you want to pour out? Our, and, and it's supposed to be natural. Just be you. Don't be somebody else. Don't be somebody that the church told you to do. Don't go out with a tract unless you feel like God told you to. I'm not really into them. I like it to be just natural because that's just an agenda. There's a lot of great scriptures. If it comes up and God leads you to share something like that, awesome. But evangelism led by tracts is not how Jesus did it. It was organic. It was an authentic encounter with God. And, and that's what God wants for us, is for, uh, for us not to feel forced, like, oh, I'm going out to do this. You just be you. You just be you as you're in your workplace, as you go out to stores. Be yourself. Extend kindness to others. Love, encouragement. Just be yourself, and then the Holy Spirit will ding, 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 ding. You know, I'm always listening and sometimes there's not anybody that he highlights. And, and I genuinely, I, I generally don't have a specific that person. I need to go find that person. That happens every so often. It happened with Cynthia, which is funny. You know, it was across the room when we didn't know each other a couple years ago. And the Holy Spirit was like, go, you need to go talk to her. I, yeah, Captain. Sometimes that happens. Most of the time, it is just as I'm going, just sharing encouragement. I was at a store the other day, and I'll give you one example. I was at a store, and this was, a, I don't know, a few months ago or something, and I saw a, per, a woman who worked at a store, and there was a customer just berating her and saying, because you're supposed to have a receipt when you return something, and then she's saying, you're discriminating against me. You think I'm a thief, and you won't let me return it because I don't have a receipt. And, you know, she's saying, I'm so sorry. This is our policy. I can't return something that I don't even know if you bought here unless you have a receipt. And she was just, this woman was so kind. And she was so sweet. And what she was getting was, honestly, the enemy's news about who she was. It was absolutely the opposite. And I felt like the Holy Spirit, just in my heart, it wasn't even necessarily a divine, go tell her this. It was just kind of the overflow of just me being me. And I, you know, walked up to her and, you are so kind. And, and then I'm hearing from the Lord as I step out. Oops, my Bible almost fell. God, you know, you are so kind. You did nothing wrong. You were, you were so gentle. I, I heard every word, and I didn't know if she was a believer. I kept it just as something that was just encouraging, that you did nothing wrong. You were so kind. And then she went, you know, she was, I think, a manager and went off and did her thing. And a few minutes later, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to tell her that that was the devil, because he's trying to come against the very gift that I have given her that I want to manifest myself to the world through her, basically through that gift. The enemy wants to shut down the kindness and the love that I created her to be. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what if she's not a Christian? That sounds crazy. I just want to let you know that that was the enemy at work, you know, working through someone, just kind of poking somebody's buttons to attack her for something she didn't deserve. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I will do that. So I'm on my way out. And she already, you know, we had a really lovely rapport because she just, you know, she felt so encouraged. But, but what a, a highlight that I want to make is I didn't step out with a prophetic word. It's just 
encouragement. Our world is so thirsty for encouragement. It's like a dry sponge. Just the love of God just step out. I didn't have anything special other than a general heart of God for her. Just a general love and heart of God to encourage her, to build her up, to even, even being there in that moment when she's hurting because she's been attacked, coming to support, coming to aid. You don't have to have anything really special. That sets you apart. The light of the world shines in you when you bring that simple encouragement. So I really want to highlight that. Every encounter I have, virtually, virtually every one, save for a few, it starts like that. Genuine love. Just genuine friend. I'm friendly. How are you? Oh, I love your shirt. You know, with women, that's okay. With men, that's weird. Uh, oh, your hair's so pretty. Yeah, don't say that, guys. <laughs> but with women, there's a different culture. It's just every encounter that I have starts with just a natural bridge of just encouragement and love that's 100% genuine and really out of the overflow of my heart and of God's heart within, you know, which is God's heart within me, spilling over. So it's not forced, it's natural, and he'll meet you there. And I'm, I'm kind, and I reach out, and I, you know, talk and joke with people. And sometimes there's not anything, you know, I don't feel the Holy Spirit leading me. It's not like every single time, you know. Jesus modeled for us up, in, and out. And there's a time and a place for everything. And we're following his lead, you know. And so oftentimes when I just step out in just the love and the encouragement and the kindness, God just steps in. He just speaks, and then there's an encounter with God. And I didn't even know what was going to happen. You know, just this week in the Target parking lot, a woman walked by me, and I don't even remember what I said. It was just natural. It was just me being me. Somehow, we're having a Holy Spirit-filled prayer. She's bawling, saying, God sent you to me today. I needed this so badly. And, but I didn't get there by a fancy prophetic word or, you know, doing elite advanced stuff. I just got there through kindness and gentleness and love. Just, just trying to connect with the world around me. And then he met me there. He met her there. So, yeah, it's not like this daunting thing of, oh, I have to go out and hear this word. Just be you. Just be you. God will move in unique ways through you. And don't despise the day of small beginnings. Just because it doesn't look how John Bowles does it or Chris Valentin or Todd White or one of your friends, God is there. God is there and God is moving and you are growing and that fruit is going to grow big and ripe and juicy as you continue to water it and step out and take risks. Yeah, yeah there was a fun one. Uh, I was at a birthday party for... Well, my youngest son's good buddy in our neighborhood, and we were at the basketball courts, and uh, I, this gentleman walks up to me, and he's like, hey, do you remember me? And I was like, uh, no. I was like, sorry, I don't. He's like, that's, that's rough as a pastor. Like, brother, remind me where I met you. But it did. he didn't. <laughs> he was just like, where are you? You remember me? I was like, no. Um, <clears throat> he's like, we met a long time ago. He's like, I just have to, I just have to tell you something real quick. He's like, your wife... Uh, changed my fiance's life. And I was like, what? And I was like, I, you know, I vague, vaguely remember meeting this guy. 
And, and he's like, yeah, he's like, my fiance came home from work the other day, and it's not the story she's talking about, and it's not the other story she's talking about. This is a completely different story because this is a way of life now. It's take the small beginnings and just be you and let God take it from there. And it was just this wild encounter at a birthday party where he's like, yeah, this guy, or he's like, yeah, your wife changed my fiance's life. She, she approached her at her job, you know, in, in PetSmart and just started being very kind. And, and then by the end of the time, your wife started praying for her and, and sharing these, these, these prophetic words. And this guy used that language. And he's like, and, and my fiance came home and she said, that this, this lady came up to me at work and ended up praying for me, and she made God real for me in a way that I've never known God before. And it was just like this awesome, fun, like this gentleman had a background in like prophetic stuff, so he was able to kind of translate for her what had happened, but it was just this very fun, like we, she never saw that lady again. You know, so sometimes you plant the seeds, you, you reach out, you don't know how it's going, but that, that was a fun one to just affirm that, on the journey of just learning to have this be a way of life in with it within the personality, the gift mix of who you are, God's doing stuff. And so it was this really fun one. And then let me share one real quick and we'll be done um, just about how in a way that she's been growing in that journey of just being herself, being willing to say yes, being willing to share some of the good news, take a risk, God's growing things. And similar to me, like I remember a number of years ago when God said, look out of the city, just simply serve. Look for opportunities to serve in the city. And so some just various opportunities have come, and, and we just now, as a church, and, you know, me leading it, just opportunities, serve. Let's go serve. Faith in blue, let's serve. Men, if you better together, let's serve. You know, fall fest, let's serve. And just watching God take these small beginnings, humble offerings of just like, God, we'll just... <laughs> When, when they ask, when people ask, we'll serve. Like, it's not real, that's not like the Navy SEAL elite strategy. She's saying, oh, man, we have this evangelism plan. We're so good at this. We're so good at this. It was just like, we'll serve. So, hey, there's toilets that need to be cleaned at the domestic violence shelter. We'll do it. I mean, it's like that's literally, you know, how it started. And so it's just serve, serve, serve. And just as a, as a, as a celebration, a, a praise report of, of some of the things God's doing in this city, that our church is involved with by simply serving, and I, I believe ultimately preparing the soil for revival, creating fertile ground in this city. Uh, let me, let's throw a picture up here of this week. So I got asked by, by our city's mayor to come and give the opening prayer for the Menifee state of the city. And this is, it's a fascinating gathering. Because it, it's like there's hundreds of people. It's a, a, a suit, you know, not quite black tie, but it's a very formal. Is there a picture? Yeah, th throw a picture. I, I, I own a suit, people, that comes out. Woo, come on now. Once a year, you know. And your matching brown shoes. And my non-matching shoes. Hey, 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 hey. Dang it, crop that. Uh, see, that's, I don't even know what to put on. She was asleep. I'm not even one, sure. He has one pair of nice shoes and they're brown. I have Vans. I those, so, 
this is how, uh, this is how awesome our strategy and plan is. You know, we're so equipped for this stuff. But it was just like all of a sudden from, you know, like literally, and I'm not trying to over-dramatize this, like, like okay, fine. Like you, you ask us, we'll, we'll clean toilets at the domestic violence shelter. The next thing I know, you know, it's like hundreds of people all black tied up. And this is like the power brokers of Menifee. Like the mayor's there, the whole city council, and, and Menifee's becoming like this booming place. So we got like this whole table of the Murrieta contingent and the Murrieta mayor and the Lake Elsinore and the Wildemar, the Canyon Lake folks. We got the California state senators there, the people that are running for these positions that we're all going to vote on in November. They're there. And it's just this wild, you know, hundreds of the leaders of this area. And in this day and age, like I'm shocked at these, at these invitations that we get to go and say a prayer in Jesus' name, over the whole place. And it's like, yeah. like So that's a praise report for this church. Let's, it's kind of a twofold. <laughs> Be praying. I believe that the, the, the soil, the fertile soil of revival is, 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 is here, is there, is coming. But it's also just the same idea of it starts small and simple. It's not this, you know, super strategic elite Navy SEAL plan. It's Take who you are, like, okay, I'm, I'm available, I'll go serve. That's not very complicated. And it's like, and, you know, years, four, five, six years later, watch what God does. Watch the relationships develop. Watch where God takes it. Watch where God grows it to the point where, you know, there's life-changing encounters in the parking lot. Just boom, 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 like that. Some of them you see, some of them you may never see. It's just about that, yes, I want to be about my Father's business. What's my next yes, Lord? And we're closing. And, and also, what's my next step, Lord? Because there's a process, and we can sabotage it by bringing Christian ideas in of, oh, I need to get the gospel in now. Yeah. Before I close, I need to get the gospel in. You know, for some people with what they've experienced in church, there's a process of building a relationship where you're not going to mention anything for a while. You're going to show them love. You're going to show them a new way. And the strategy is from God. The strategy is you just follow the Holy Spirit. If he would have started with serving at the domestic violence shelter, with evangelizing every single person that was there, they probably would have kicked him out right away. But the Lord called him to specific things in bringing the church and, and in partnering and, and serving alongside and not having a microphone or a pedestal or a tract or any kind of agenda more than just loving and serving with the kindness and the heart of Christ. So we can sabotage it unintentionally by bringing, oh, I got to bring this in now. I got to bring this in. If it feels like obligation and you should do it, cut it out and follow the lead of the Spirit. What is the Father doing? What is he saying? Follow his lead. Walk, in, walk following his lead and we'll be walking in his power. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just ask simply right now that your Holy Spirit would bring a fresh impartation for mission, a fresh filling up. So I just want to encourage each and every one of you in your heart, posture your heart and your minds, just to say yes to that blessing. If you want more of this one step at a time growing journey of out on mission, just in your heart say, yes, Lord. Jesus, we ask your Holy Spirit would empower us for greater mission.
the next step to be out on your mission of the kingdom of God advancing in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Dance a new dance